Um, I was asked to mention to you, if you heard bells during worship, that wasn't in your head, that was really happening. Um, Those bells represent globally Christians all over the world today were ringing bells to show solidarity for Israel. So that's what that was all about, just so you know. It just reminded me as we speak about holiness today, about the high priest, when he went into the Holy of Holies, he had bells on the hem of his garment And those bells could be heard by all those in the assembly to know that he was still alive as he ministered before God. (laughs) There it is. Okay. Also, just want to take a moment just to, uh, on a personal note, thank everybody who supported me and my family during the death of my father. Um, Really appreciate all the cards and letters and emails, phone calls, um, and mostly the prayers those that were able to visit the, the funeral home. Uh, it was just what a show of love. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Christ Community Church. You really blessed us. Thank you. So let's just pray and ask the Lord to anoint this word. Lord, we come to you today. We just want your anointing on this word. Father, we want to be those who follow hard after you. Lord, would you just come and just show us and teach us what you want us to know. Father, we ask that you would just bless this time now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you've been here for more than a year, you probably know our tradition is every January, usually the third week in January, we roll out our prophetic bulletin to the congregation. And what that is, it's a document that we produce. We have a prophecy team that's about 18 people strong right now, and those people are gifted prophetically, and we seek the Lord for direction for the upcoming year. So we meet in September and October, and uh, we really compile all these words that come together and, and just put them together as direction for leadership and for you as congregants to know what it is that the Lord is leading us into this new season. And uh, we actually produce this document. You'll be getting this with your tax statements. Um, starting next week, there'll be some at the Welcome Center, and you can also go to our webpage And if you click on the weekly teaching for this message, there should be a PDF file there as well so that you can read this online also. Okay? So basically, part of the process, like I said, we we meet as a team and we go through all these words that the Lord downloads to us and then we pull them together and put them in the document. And then it's up to you, whenever you receive a prophetic word from anybody, It's up to you to test the spirits, okay? And 1 John says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So with any word of prophecy, it's up to you as the receiver to check with God, is this so? Uh, Lord, do you bear witness to this word? And every word that you ever receive should line up with Scripture. It should never contradict Scripture. If there's a contradiction discard the prophetic word, because scripture is our standard. Amen? So in chicken farming, they use a technique called candling. And so you'll hear us in the prophetic team say to candle the word. And what we mean by that is these farmers take the eggs and they hold them up to a candle, and that candlelight shines through the egg, and that shows you, is there life in that egg? If there is, that goes in the bucket to the hatchery. Okay? If there's no life in the egg, it goes in the bucket to the bakery, okay? So same thing with any prophetic word. Hold it up to the light, 
Who's the light? Jesus Christ. Who's the light? The Word of God. And so if it aligns with that, steward that Word. Treat it well. Write it down. Pray about it and refer to it often. But if it doesn't bear witness, then make sure you discard it. Another scripture you hear here all the time deals with the sons of Issachar. And as you know, the sons of Issachar were men who knew the seasons. They knew the signs of the time. But more importantly, they knew what Israel should do. And so we feel that God downloads these words to us every year to help us to know what the signs of the time are, but also, more importantly, what to do. And um, not only that, what not to do. Because if you know what to do, you also know what not to do. And so as leadership, we steward these words, we pray into these words, and it gives us the direction throughout the year for what we should do as a church. And much of the preaching, much of the teaching, and many of the events that we do all align themselves with these prophetic words that we get. And it helps us to keep on track. In fact, last Friday in one of our staff meetings, we realized that we were kind of going down a road that was a good road, it was an important road, but it wasn't the best road. It wasn't the road that was mapped out for us in this prophetic word. And we said, wait a second, we need to heed this word and we need to get back on track. And so it's very important to have that guidance, and it takes us throughout the year. So you're going to hear teachings and events throughout the year that promote the holiness of God. So you're, you're already uh, given a heads up on that, okay? And then last thing we ask that you don't make any decisions based solely on this word. You know, if you bear witness to this word, that's great. We hope you all do. But, um, you know, before you make any major decisions, you should always pray about it. And you should always check with your spiritual authorities and those that are in your life that God gives you to hold you accountable to make sure that you're hearing correctly from God. So those are just a few pastoral instructions that we like to give. The first word that we got was the word of holiness. And uh, I'm going to read this to you because um, we usually get like in 2016, we got 45, I'm sorry, 25 pages of prophetic words that we had to distill down into four pages. This year we got uh, 14 pages, and we distilled it down into two pages. And so I know it's kind of boring to have someone read to you, but I, I just want to steward this well. I don't want to be sloppy and just give you kind of a broad brush or, uh, you know, just kind of ad lib what, what it said. So I, I just want to treat it with the importance that it deserves. So I apologize if reading bores you. But uh, the first word was holiness. So it says, the overwhelming message the Lord has communicated to us for 2017 calendar year is a clear call to holiness. As the church begins to recognize the importance of walking in holiness, our lives and the life of the church will dramatically change. The time is now for a radical shift to demonstrate God's will for the earthly realm to display the patterns of heaven. His will is to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We will see a clash of dark versus light in which the light will most certainly prevail. The whole earth groans with excited anticipation of the sons of God. We will see the results of holiness cascade through all the ministries of the church. And that's an interesting thing that we saw about this word that was different from all the other words that we've received in previous years. And, and the team noticed it right away is that it seems as though this holiness word was upheld by all the preceding words after it, um, succeeding words after it. And uh, normally in the past, it's been like 10 separate words. This year it was holiness, and then all the words that follow support that holiness theme. Uh, the Lord will continue to remove idols from the church, 
because where we say we are looking to God for the answer, many are actually trying to find it in a person, thing, or ideology. It will be a season where the hearts of the church will continually be pricked and probed until it aligns with the heart of God. Spiritual cleansing and a return to a holy stance of integrity and honor shall be shown in the church. So this holiness, as you know, means to be set apart or dedicated to God. And so as a people, we should set ourselves apart from, from the world and, and be dedicated to God in our lives. We know in Leviticus 19, God says, Be holy, for I am holy. And so he gives us that instruction to be holy. But as Americans, we've turned holiness into a list of do's and don'ts, haven't we? we we've turned it into kind of a game where we keep score, even keeping score on ourselves. And it ultimately ends up in us having a religious spirit or walking in legalism, which is such a turnoff to everybody else in the world, isn't it? True holiness is not just about morality, because morality is definitely part of it, but it's, that morality part is secondary, because the primary part is how do we relate to God, and how do we relate to people, and how do we worship God? And so if we have that right, we're walking in true holiness. And an outcome of that should be joy, it should be power, it should be authority, it, it should be a demonstration of the attributes of God. And so many times we get this wrong and we start doing this personal holiness and it becomes almost, like I said, a legalistic view and we start comparing ourselves to others and, and we turn into these monsters that, that have no joy. And, you know, we're just, we're just walking this rigid walk and it's a turnoff to everybody, including ourselves, because we're trying to compare ourselves to others. So it keeps us self-centered. It keeps our eyes on us. But holiness should be unto God. And that's why we're showing this symbol. You're going to see this around the church quite a bit. It's already on some of the monitors out in the hall. But the high priest wore a crown on his forehead, forehead that said, Holiness unto the Lord. And so our holiness isn't about just becoming the best self that we can be. It's holiness unto the Lord. Everything we do, everything we think, our mind should be stayed on Christ. Our mind should be totally set on God. And so each and every one of you in this room, I've, I've said repeatedly, Pastor Tim has said repeatedly, you are priest. And so as priest, you need to have that on your forehead, that holiness unto God. So I just want to encourage you, that's what the priests did. That's what they wore. And it was a constant reminder to them to be holy unto God. I like the line in here that said, the holiness will cascade through all the other ministries of the church. And that's important because when we start walking this out, it's going to start invading every aspect of the church. I don't know about you, but I'm really excited about that. The next word deals with supernatural power. It says, As the church walks out in holiness and demonstrates the Lord's power, it will be evident to all the earth. The manifestation of the Spirit's power will be an example to all those who have kept the Lord afar off. Many who could never comprehend God because their intellectual approach uh, will be stunned by the reality that God is a supernatural God who is alive and mighty to perform in spite of their inability to comprehend him intellectually. The Lord is calling us to be extreme Christians. He wants his people to know and truly believe our position in him, our purpose in this world, and to use the power of the Holy Spirit to affect the lives of those around us. 
He desires the supernatural to become a common and normal part of our daily walk, so he will be fully represented on the earth. God's arm is far-reaching. He will provide manna from heaven, a fresh supply, a supernatural supply. There will be no stale bread. Suddenlies will occur. Expect the unexpected. Water turned into wine, dreams made alive. Amen. I long for this. I don't know about you, but we serve, amen, we serve a supernatural God. And it's by time that we start modeling it to the rest of the world. I love Romans 8. I quote it all the time. The whole earth groans for the manifestation of the sons of God. Christians, the world is waiting to see a gospel that works. They know the rules. They understand what we believe, but they don't see it. That's what causes them to stumble. That's what causes them to fail so many times because they're craving it, but we're not demonstrating it. We're not living it. We're not walking in it. And it's high time that we turn this thing around and they start seeing us as human dynamos, as a force of the Most High God. Amen? So I just, I'm excited that people are going to see the manifestation of God. He desires us to be supernatural, for it to become common, because it's the full representation of God on earth. Why was Jesus able to command the crowds like he did? And you read what everybody says. Anytime they made a comment on Jesus' ministry, he said he was one who taught with authority. He taught with power. And he was able to back up everything he said with signs and wonders. How much more do we need to operate in that realm? If Jesus needed it, how much more do we need it? And I don't know about you, I am so excited to see the manifestation of God operating in and through our lives and in and through this church. Amen? Amen. The next one was spiritual warfare. Constant, <laughs> someone's excited about that. Constant attacks from the enemy will be relentless against the church and the people of God. These attacks are the enemy's attempts to weaken the faith of believers and to get them to doubt their testimonies. The true spiritual leaders that will emerge during this season are those that will take a fierce stand against the enemy. When someone stands in courage, it will embolden the entire flock. The enemy who is able to attack sheep one at a time will no longer get away with the same old tactics. A new level of discernment will be poured out on the people of God that will quickly expose the enemy's tactics and send him to flight. Spiritual power and authority will be embraced by a holy church to push back and take ground the enemy has stolen. Amen. Amen. So it says the, the attacks are going to increase. You're not to fear that. Do not fear the fear. But stand on the promise that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen? That's our testimony. That's what we can rely on. That's what we stand on. So nobody should be in fear at this time. In fact, there should be an excited anticipation of what God's about to do. True leaders really take a true stand. I don't know what your politics are, and this isn't a political statement, but one thing about Donald Trump that I think a lot of people appreciate is he was one man who stood up and said, enough is enough. I'm sick and tired of what's going on. And guess what? That one man said what a lot of people were thinking. And when one person takes a stand, what does it do? It emboldens so many others. I love the story of Stephen at his stoning. When Stephen stood up and he said, look, I see the Son of God standing at the right hand of the Father. 
Nobody could believe his testimony. He took a stand. He was bold. And guess what? The church just like was turbocharged from that day forward, wasn't it? In fact, it stunned uh, Saul of Tarsus so much that he became the Apostle Paul at the testimony of Stephen because one man just stood there and said, it doesn't matter what you do to me. Even the stones couldn't hold his attention because he was so fixed on God. And so the same it should be with us. Nothing that comes against us should hinder us. Nothing should distract us because our mind is so stayed on the Lord. Amen? Yeah. Amen. We're going to need some extra discernment for the days ahead. And I came across this uh, definition of discernment. I absolutely love it. It's by Charles Spurgeon. He said, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between right and almost right. Let me read that again. Is that awesome? He says, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. Everybody knows right and wrong. It's obvious. It's black and white. It's crystal clear. But he said, it's knowing the difference between right and almost right. So do you have that kind of discernment? Are you that honed in? Because everything that the enemy does, it starts with a kernel of truth, doesn't it? That's why his deceptions are so effective, because there's truth behind everything that he says, but it's almost the truth. It's not the whole truth, because we have the whole truth, and the truth is Jesus Christ and the Word of God, and we have to make sure that we know and we discern that, that we understand the true right from the almost right. I love that quote. That's a great quote. Amen. All right. You guys doing okay? <laughs> okay. Divine healing is the next one. The call to holiness will breed a new level of righteousness in the church, which will lead to an increase of anointing for healing through the effective prayer of the righteous. The Lord is calling his people into a divine and holy alignment. When the church comes into this holy alignment, the release of miracles and healings will be the norm. The Greek word for equipping is katartizo, which means to put into proper position or alignment. Alignment increases authority to function in not only relationships, but also in the kingdom of God. Accountability to each other and leadership brings healing individually and corporately. We need each other to unify, not isolate. Many who have been held back mentally and emotionally by the enemy and those who have been chronically oppressed will be so supernaturally healed. Arise from depression, which circumstances have kept you and shine for the glory of the Lord. Even though darkness is covering the earth, the Lord is increasing and brilliantly shining through his people. Eat from the tree of life and do not be distracted by what is going on with the Goliaths of the day. I love healing. I, I study it all the time. I'm just in love with, with the whole ministry of healing. We have a healing team here in this church and it's something I've coveted all my life to walk in health and to, to be healed. Um, suffered greatly, but, but I believe that one day God will heal us. And I believe that dispensation is for now. So as holiness increases, James says that the righteous, the prayer of the righteous avails much. And I believe that as we begin to walk in holiness, as we begin to walk in righteousness, we're going to see an increased level of healing. And if I loved you and you loved me, 
wouldn't it stand to reason that we would stop sinning, that we would try to walk in holiness so that our anointing would increase, so that we'd be able to pray and know beyond a shadow of doubt when we lay hands on the sick that they will recover. When we pray for those who are oppressed, that they will be released from the demonic strongholds, from those who have addictions, that those addictions would be ripped from them because God is a God who's able to do mighty works. Amen? Healing validates our message. Every time we brag on God, every time we make a boast on God, he is more than able to back it up. And so we need to go out on that limb and start bragging, start boasting on God. I love the story of Elijah with the showdown with the prophet of Baal. And he said, just pour more water, more water on the altar. Is that all the water you got? Because my God's going to lick that up with a mighty fire. And I want to get to that point where I can stand with confidence, where I can stand with boldness and say, is that all you got? Because he's got way more. So we need that for God to confirm his, his word with signs and wonders. As I was preparing this message, I was reading through some of my emails, and I came across this email. We were asked as ministry leaders to write a summary of our ministries for the upcoming vision meeting. And I ran across this by Jeff Sebastian. And uh, Jeff is the leader of the men's ministry, and this is what he says about the men's ministry. He says, our main topic of study has been strong foundations in the faith and then supernatural healing in the church and on the street. Boom, got my attention, right? Man, I got to read this one. You know how you skim through stuff, I'm like, slam on the brakes, slow down. There's those words, supernatural, that's one of the points in the prophetic bulletin. Healing, another point in the prophetic bulletin. And he talks about not doing it just in the church. God doesn't give us these gifts just to entertain each other, just to impress each other. He gives us his gifts to go out into the world to show the dying world that we serve the Most High God, a God who is mighty and able to perform and help them with every issue, every trial, every temptation that they deal with. And we have the answer. And so I don't know about you, I want to be trained and equipped to operate and do these things. And so here's Jeff just pastoring these men to say, go for it, guys. He says, the men have grown bolder. Oh, man, what a prayer answered there. Men growing bolder. Amen. Thank God for you sisters. I appreciate the ladies. And you guys have have fought the fight for so long and battled in the spirit because you lead the way in, in prayer. But I'll tell you what, the church needs men to step up. They need bold men to step up. So thank you, Jeff. That's awesome that the men are growing in boldness. I say bring it. Just, just bring it, men. Don't hold back any longer. The church is dying to see this. Listen to this. He says, we've seen three supernatural healings. There it is again, supernatural healing. I'm just jumping out of my seat when I'm reading this. Um, three supernatural healings come to mind, and I know there's more. One person was delivered from depression and began laughing in the spirit. I just read to you, God said that he is going to heal and specifically heal people who are suffering with depression. You know how many people are struggling with depression? You know I'm the counseling pastor in this church, and I could tell you it's amazing how many people are struggling with severe depression. I just want to encourage you, if that's someone in your family, if that's you, someone you know, don't tell them just snap out of it. They can't. If they could just snap out of it, they would. You know, you're not helping them by saying stuff like that. Pray for them. 
Come after the devil. Break that oppression, that stronghold that's over them. Get them into a place of prayer and others that will pray that demonic spirit off of them because I'll tell you what, it's taking so many people out. And so here this man gets not only healed but delivered from depression and he gets a spirit of joy to where he breaks out into holy laughter. How awesome is that? So instead of people walking around here with their heads down and dragging their feet, all of a sudden we got people laughing because they know that God is able to heal them and perform these mighty deeds. He says, another person had a very painful rib injury and was instantly healed, and a daughter of one of our men was healed of a painful toothache. That's the kind of thing that's going to become more prolific as the Spirit is poured out on our church. Brother Jeff, I stand 100% in agreement with you on that. Amen. That's the attitude we need. That's how we have to start operating in this day, in this new year. I just want to go off script real quick, if I can. As we were worshiping, I was just remembering John Wimber. John Wimber was one of my heroes of the faith. Has anybody heard the name John Wimber before? Okay, some of you have heard of John Wimber. John Wimber started the Vineyard Movement, the Vineyard Church, Much of the music we sang years ago was vineyard music written by John Wimber. Some of the most intimate, Holy Spirit-breathed music that came into the church was through John Wimber. John was a rock and roll musician, and he was addicted to drugs and alcohol, all in on the rock and roll lifestyle. One day he got miraculously saved, and he gave it all away. He gave it all up, and he started going to church And every Sunday, he went to church waiting for something to happen. And then one Sunday, he came up to one of the elders and he said, Hey, when are we going to start doing the stuff? And the guy said, What are you talking about? He goes, The stuff. What stuff? The elder said. He says, The stuff I read about in this Bible. The elder said, That was then. This is now. John Wimber said, Not acceptable. Not acceptable. He went on to begin to pray for healing. He went on to pray supernatural prayers. And everybody he prayed for got sicker. (laughs) But he stood on the word of God that said we had this power and authority. He estimates he prayed for a thousand people before he first saw his first miraculous healing. After that, that primed the pump. And he began to pray. And he started a healing movement that was amazing. So many people got healed under the anointing that John Wimber and the Vineyard Church brought. And the music was amazing. I read uh, his life story written by his wife, and she said that when John got saved, he packed up all the rock and roll music, all his scores. He had just gotten a contract for a, a big album, and he called him and said, I'm out. I'm not doing this. They loaded up the family station wagon and backed it up to the dump in Yorba Linda, California, and dumped it all at the dump. He considered it trash and rubbish. And Carol, his wife, said, I knew in that exact moment, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it cannot produce a harvest. And she said it produced a mighty harvest because the music he used to write to the music he started writing for God was amazing. And um, I was one of the beneficiaries of that healing anointing and of that that worship music that, that the vineyard wrote. And they started over 500 churches throughout the world. And so, just amazing what one person will do when they believe God and believe God's Word and start doing what it says. Amen? Amen. Amen. 
Okay, uh, next one's on evangelism. This has been a constant emphasis for the past three years in a row. It is time to reach out to lost like never before. Evangelists are being trained up and released to the ends of the earth. The Lord is releasing creativity to find the keys to many hearts. An increased anointing in the arts will be used to communicate the gospel in such powerful ways that the church will struggle to house the influx of new believers. Tent meetings, temporary structures, or additions will be used to help contain the growth spurts being experienced. A greater anointing will be given to proclaim the gospel of grace and forgiveness. Multitudes who are tired of the mundane will flow into the kingdom. The Lord is saying that not only C3, but the church universal is going to experience a notable surge of the Holy Spirit. This will be evident in higher levels of people using spiritual gifts, accelerated growth for those seeking deeper things, and more people getting serious about seeking the lost. Enlarge your tents, expand your territory. So at the end of the day, that's what this is all about, right? It's all about evangelism. It's all about reaching the lost. And it's all about getting those souls saved. And the Lord's been hammering this on us. If you go back on the last three prophetic bulletins, evangelism has been one of the main headings. And as a church, we're doing everything we can do to prepare and to start an infrastructure to have it in place for when the laws start coming in. We want to be able to assimilate them into this church, into this body. And so next Sunday at our vision meeting, Pastor Tim will be rolling out to you the three-step process that we have for assimilation. We have a new believers class. We have a a next step class and a step-in class. And he'll explain all that to you. And right now, nobody's coming to it, but that's okay. We got it in place. We got ready. We took the word seriously. And we believe that when the people start coming in, we're going to be ready to receive them. Amen? So I'm excited about that. We're taking these words and we're putting them into action. We're taking them seriously. The great harvest is going to be a time of overflow. I would love to see tents. I'd love to see overflow in this church of people coming to God and we don't have enough space to contain them. That's why we're trying to do three church plants by the year 2020. Again, we're just looking forward. We're standing on these promises of God that he's going to deliver these things that he said he would deliver. Um, And the thing that's really exciting is not only rapid church growth, but it's individual growth. So many of you who've been complacent, many of you have been stalled out, many of you who who were on fire at one time, get ready. He's going to rekindle that flame. It's coming back. Amen. Amen. Okay. You guys doing all right? We got a couple more. Okay. I know I'm going fast. (laughs) Revival. As a result of the call to holiness, the Lord is saying that this is a time of revival. We are to be ready for it. It will be up to God's people to birth it into manifestation. The Lord wants C3 to seek him like never before. Revival is around the corner. It won't be automatic. God's people will have to be intentional in ushering it into existence. The church will be shaken, but we are to stand firm. We are to be girded with the armor of God. We are to remember that he has already won the battle. The Lord gave visions of a large tent bulging out at the sides. And so this revival is going to be a result of our hunger. It's a result of us ushering it in. It's a result of us contending for it. All I can say is it's like hunger pains in a child, hunger pains in a baby. Anybody that's had an infant in your home, 
you know when that baby starts to cry, you know the hunger cry, you know the pain cry, you know the diaper cry. But that hunger cry, you can't do anything to stop it because it comes on, and when it comes on, it comes on strong, doesn't it? And I don't care how fast you try to fumble that bottle together. You can't get that bottle in that baby's mouth fast enough because those hunger pains are so great. Or when you have a toddler and all of a sudden they start melting down and you realize that behavior problem is, is a sign of their hunger. And so we need to start pulling on heaven by saying, we're hungry, we're thirsty, we're desperate. Lord, feed us. Lord, give this to us. Lord, we're contending for this. Lord, we want everything that you have for us. And he will respond as a result of that hunger. Amen? So we need to pull that down from heaven as the word instructs us. The next one, obedience. Radical obedience. My church must adhere to my words and the commands to advance my kingdom in the earth. It's time to look beyond the borders. As Moses was used to lead the people, it was the Joshua generation that were allowed to enter the new territory. The Lord is calling his church to go into the land and call his lost sheep back into the fold. Take new ground. Take new territory. We're hearing so many words about this. So many ministries are talking about God is calling his people to obedience. And when I say obedience, I mean 100% obedience. Because you know what? Partial obedience is still disobedience. I'm going to say that again. Partial obedience is still disobedience. You know, if my wife sends me to the store to get milk and bread, and I come home with just the bread, I did not obey her order, did I? And I will remind myself of that on my way back to get the milk. (laughs) Because that's partial. She wanted both. And so when God gives us an order, when God gives us a command, he expects us to carry it through and, and do exactly what he's asked us to do. It's not up to us to change the assignment, to make it more comfortable, to make it easier, to make it more palatable, palatable for us. It's up to us to do exactly what he asks us to do. So stop looking for the wiggle room, stop looking for the loophole, and just go ahead and do it, because you're going to end up doing it anyways. All right? Guarantee you. So walk in that obedience. It's key. It's essential. Okay. Last one. It's kind of long, so hang with me. Community. The enemy will no longer be able to divide and conquer. The Lord is highlighting leaders like Gideon. The Lord is stressing that this will be a season of unlikely leaders coming to the front. He will use his remnant during this season. There will be a degree of peace and prosperity in 2017, but it will not look or come the way of the church or people in general. It will only come as the church presses into the things of God even more. Not in the numbers, but in the anointing. God will do something that no man will be able to get the glory for. The remnant will also be used as a diffuser in the midst of the potential increasing tensions among various social and racial groups. Deactivate, disarm, and disable, not only through intercessions, but through our actions and words, especially when it comes to interacting with each other. The church should pray for and seek godly wisdom in this area. The Lord wants his church to be a united body. He wants us to help each other. Don't isolate yourself and don't let the world tear you apart. Link arms with surrounding ministries to be strengthened. I will use you to strengthen others, said the Lord, as Paul was to Timothy. We need to come together as believers now more than ever. This is more than unity. It's community, says the Lord. 
My children are going to have to come together in the days, weeks, and months, and even years ahead more than ever before. This needs to happen in a different way than in the past. The church is going to suffer attacks as times get darker. You, my children, will need each other for encouragement, for strength, and getting through the times of great darkness. You are going to need to fellowship with each other, visit, care for, and nurture new believers, ones that are widows and those who are alone. No one should be alone in the times to come. That's a, that's a really strong word. So our greatest strength comes from being a community. And only the Lord can take credit for this because it's through the love of God that we're able to love each other. That's why he put the first commandment first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he said the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love your neighbor if you don't have the first command in first place because it's through loving God that we are able to love each other, that we're able to live in that community. And it's more than community. It's, it's more than unity, he says. It's community. And we have to understand that because we can be in unity but go our separate ways, but we need to be in community, living out that unity together. He says, act as a diffuser. And um, I'm not one of those people that goes after some of those um, alternate healing things, but when my daughter was giving birth to her twins. She was high-risk pregnancy, and she was at the hospital at U of M in critical care. And uh, in her room, someone gave her one of those oil diffusers for essential oils. And I'm always a skeptic on those kinds of things, but I was just kind of a fly on the wall, and this diffuser was just pumping this beautiful smelling uh, fragrance into the room. And people were coming in, medical, uh, you know, doctors, nurses, um, people that were um, just on assignment there would come into that room and they would stop and they'd all say, what's that smell? What's that presence in this room? And it was that diffuser that they were smelling. And I, w- I was personally amazed because, like I said, I don't typically believe in those kind of things, but I noticed it really did make a difference because, you know, hospitals have pretty horrific sights and sounds and uh, smells, right? But this just changed the atmosphere. And people would come in, and sometimes they'd, they'd be stacked up three and four medical people in her room because they didn't want to leave. They're like, oh, man, it feels so peaceful in here, and I love the smell in here. And I was just like, that stuff really does work. You know, I'm not trying to sell it. I'm really not. But, but I was just amazed because it reminded me of this word because God said that we should be a diffuser. We should change the atmosphere. Wherever we go, it should be the fragrance of Christ. And people should stop dead in their tracks. When they walk into this church, they should say, whoa, what is that smell? What is that fragrance? What is that feeling that I'm feeling? And it's us diffusing the spirit of Christ into their innermost being. And they should be able to say, I bear witness that that this place has got something. It's got that anointing. It's got that holiness. Amen? So I just encourage you that we are to change the atmosphere. My family, um, last Tuesday, as I mentioned earlier, is at my father's funeral, and my family was just blown away by you guys, by this church, because our family is getting smaller and smaller. Um, A lot of people have been dying and leaving us, but uh, this church just showed up in droves, and at the funeral home, it was packed out, and most of it was people from this body, from this assembly, So I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart and the love. Amen.
Thank you. The love, the warmth, the care, the cards, and just, just uh, the excitement. People just dropping off treats. It was just ministered to my family so much because they got a first-hand glimpse of community. And I've been telling them for so long that not just family, we need community. And they finally got it because they saw your love in action. So I really commend you as a church. And that's what we need to do. Every time we're called, we need to show up. And he says at the end of this word that in the times ahead, no one should be alone. No one should be alone. And so this Christmas, I know a lot of people were home alone, some widows, some orphans, some people who've been disenfranchised, some people who've written off the church. You know what? We need to go after them. We need to go after them in hot pursuit. We need to make sure, hey, you got somewhere to go. Is someone helping you out? You know, we need to start helping them with our talents, with our abilities. And I said in first service, maybe instead of watching TV on a Monday night, maybe you need to go help a widow fix her furnace. And uh, widows, don't call me. I'm not a furnace guy. (laughs) You don't want me touching it. I like to see stuff blow up, but I know that's not what you want. So, but find what your talent is, what your gift is, what your ability is, and start blessing other people with it. Because we need each other in the times ahead. We need to be able to rely on each other. And that's that spirit of community. So God is saying, get ready. Build that infrastructure because in the times and days to come, we need that. Amen? Amen. So that's the word. That's um, something that when this comes, you should hang it on your refrigerator to remind yourself all year round what the direction is that we're heading as a church body. And hopefully it's encouraging to you. Amen?